Nintendo Week is brought to you by ARMS. ARMS. We all have them. ARMS. Everybody and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of December 2016 and half of January. Uh, I am your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Happy Switchmas. And Ben Lamoureux. And a happy Switch year. We are back from our break, and we are kicking off 2017 knowing so much more about Nintendo Switch than ever before. Uh, this week, we're breaking our normal format to have one long discussion about everything we've learned about Switch in the last few days and the outlook for Nintendo and Nintendo fans in 2017 and maybe beyond. Uh, so we'll take that in three chunks here. So our, our takes on the hardware, then software, and then the general outlook in terms of what we can expect over the next year or so. But first, let's touch base real quick with how we all feel after the event and uh, all that came afterwards about the Switch and, and Nintendo's position right now. Um, one thing that I noticed at the event, and this I'm not sure how I felt about this at the time, but in hindsight, I liked it, was they hit us with the bad news first. They hit us with the higher-than-expected <laughs> price point first. Ah. They hit us with the online paywall pretty early on. Um, got sure, all that yeah. out of the okay. way uh, before they even showed us a single game. Um, but at the, okay. on the flip side, that meant they could end on a high note, which is a bunch of great games. Zelda. Um, yes. So I'm glad that they did that because I came away from that Breath of the Wild trailer just in awe, oh, which I might so not have amazing. done had they said it's $300 at the end of the presentation. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty ben? excited to pay $300 for Zelda and then get a free Nintendo console with it. <laughs> Basically. all right fair enough um i'm i'm cautiously optimistic um i think they failed to hit a lot of the marks that they needed to hit for switch to be anything particularly noteworthy outside of nintendo's core audience that's already been paying a lot of attention to this stuff um and i mean that not only in terms of the software lineup and those price points like you mentioned alex but in their ability to put forward a good message about the kind of support that switch is going to get and the reason that anyone should care about that um, but I am stoked for the software lineup. I think the console itself has way greater potential than Wii U ever did. And I'm hopeful that they'll be able to remedy some of their issues as the year goes on, particularly at E3. So, um, shall we just dive right into the hardware? Let's go. Let's dive. All right. So, as Alex mentioned, it costs $300, a little higher than we expected. Um, we, we've got so we've got these bullet points. Anyone can uh, jump in on on any of these points well, if you I'll wish. I'll say on the cost, three hundred isn't you know outlandish for a console by yeah. by any means. But I think if you're going to charge three hundred, you should really pack in a game that shows off what makes mm-hmm. Switch special. Like three hundred and then no bundled game is, I think, kind of a tough sell. Yeah. Well, not just yeah, that. I but... agree, especially when the competition is at that price or lower already with bundles. Yeah. Yep, that's true. Yeah, that's that was sort of the the sticker shock point for me was that not only are the other consoles already at that price, but the other consoles already have this really big library for that price. Whereas Switch mm-hmm. is not going to have a yeah. very big library launch, and from as right. far as we know, the library is not going to be very big at all. Uh, so that right. was sort of the big point for me was why should I why should anyone pay this much money for the li- library that's as 
thin, even if the titles that are there are good, it's thin. And we don't mm-hmm. have any signs that it's going to expand. So it's a little bit of a, a concerning point because you'd think, oh, this is more expensive than past Nintendo consoles. I should be getting more games and, and more better games. But but I don't, I don't know how sure. people will react to that. Yeah, sure. you know, I think the average Nintendo fan isn't going to balk too hard at the three hundred dollar price point. They might whine about it a little bit, but they'll, you know, they'll they'll cough it up. But yeah, I, you know, Nintendo has to do better than just the average Nintendo fan because well, we Definitely. saw what happened with Wii U when you only attract Nintendo fans and don't really expand your audience. So the, I think I think they have some work to do to make this a, a more like mass market uh, device. But it's yeah. it's a good device. I just don't know if it's going to reach a mass market. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're pricing it at 300 so that they can wrangle in all those Nintendo fans who are buying this thing for Zelda and Splatoon and all that. And then come the holiday season, when they have that thicker library of games already out, at that point they'll introduce a few bundles, knock the price down to 250 and start getting wider audiences on board. Because there is a lot to be said about, say, for example, bundling Nintendo Switch with Minecraft and Splatoon at 250 Like, that's a great kids' device that they can play on the TV, on oh, the yeah. go. And, like, those two games, I mean, that's perfect. So I think that they've got a lot of opportunities for that down the road, and because they're launching in March, they're 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 sort of uh, playing their cards as they come. And yeah, because March is a, it's a tough month to launch definitely. a new console in. So, definitely. you know, it, I agree that it would make sense for them to maybe make it more attractive at a later date when they actually have a chance at something yeah. like Because, you know, in March it's going to be the, 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 the rabid Nintendo fans that are going to rush out and buy it, and then there's probably going to be a bit of a lull. So I Definitely. If, if they give it a price cut before Christmas, then I think that's a, a pretty smart business move. I don't know if they will or not, though, because Nintendo does kind of like to sit on their console prices, unless like it's super not selling like 3DS was, and they right. kind of panicked and gave it a $80 price cut. But right. normally they're content to keep it the same price for a while. Yeah. yeah, and another so uh, another, it launches March. Oh, another thing ahead. we've got to consider too is Nintendo's talked about being more agile with hardware hardware development, uh, dropping out more models and more form factors with their new architecture. Yeah, and so we could see something where that's the starting price point for the platform as a whole, but we could see like a Switch Lite come out at two fifty later on, or mm-hmm. maybe they release a with fresher, even smaller Joy Cons, right? Or they could release <laughs> a more powerful, a slightly more powerful model and just knock down the price of the old one. Like a lot of things could happen that could that could drive the price definitely yep so uh there is a multi-touch screen good stuff eight player local multiplayer uh there there are not region locking their games that's really good i'll I'll, Um, I'll say with one caveat though we don't know if that applies to like digital games or just physical but not no physical region lock is already great but i i don't think they've indicated that there'll be like a universal e-shop or anything like that yeah i mean i think e-shops are established by region anyway so it's not like you'll be able to access japanese games from the north american e-shop yeah i think right but i mean hypothetically they could abolish that system and just have yeah i suppose that's true but i doubt they will yeah if anything the lack of ability to buy games from another region online would be a function of them failing at having an adequate infrastructure as opposed to them specifically restricting it Mm -hmm. so so that's that's very possible yeah yeah 
so there's also Joy-Cons have had a lot of surprising technology inside. A lot of those patents that we've seen Nintendo register too, surprisingly actually came true not just in future technology, but in the Joy-Cons themselves. Um, I lost Colin. Can you like still hear They are able to point an IR camera at your hands and tell if you're you oh, know, like he playing rock, paper, scissors and who wins and what they've they've thrown out there. If he realizes it, um, yeah. <laughs> you can point it at your face and pretend you're eating a sandwich. You can shake them and know that there are two ice cubes in a glass versus three. Uh, you will not be able to do any of those things in any games besides 1-2 Switch, but uh, they're there. They make the Joy-Cons more expensive. They're about $80, I think, for a set of two. How do you guys feel about all that? exploded like a Galaxy Note 7. Zing! And or like a SpaceX craft. <laughs> yes. Oh man, I disappeared from the call. Uh, okay, so I basically was saying, like, the Joy-Cons have a ton of that tech inside. You can do the rock, paper, scissors stuff, the ice cubes. Um, one, two, Switch is the only game that will ever, 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 ever use any of it. Uh, <laughs> and it, and they're super expensive. So how does that make you feel? Yeah, you know, when I first heard that they were going to have, like, super rumble sensing stuff, HD rumble, I guess is what they're calling. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rumble that can convey different things to you. I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. I doubt they'll really push that. Um, and you know that the the first Switch press conference that we saw, it was very simple. The marketing, the messaging was very clear. This is a home console you can take on the go. And then during this presentation, they spent like a long time talking about motion controls and advanced rumble. Yeah. And I was like, is any of this stuff a selling point? Like, right. is 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 Nintendo going to use it that much? Are third parties going to use it that much? I think it's a really cool idea, but I I think it could end up being like a gamepad situation where it's a great idea, yeah. but it drives up the hardware cost and then developers don't quite know how to use it so right. they they never push it to the the full extent that they could use it because it could be used for some really awesome ideas but i don't know how many people are going to get on board with it right nintendo's going to need to be the ones proving the technology is useful and mm-hmm. the only game so far proving it is one two switch are you saying um, milk hasn't sold you on it <laughs> it's funny that you um, say that because i feel like they've got an obvious use case right in front of them and that's zelda because yeah. you have your sword in your right hand and your shield in your left hand, and you're going to get different feedback depending on, you know, whether you're blocking or. Oh, but that's attacking. not a selling point. Isn't that a like, selling that's a cool point. thing for developers to. It's include, not going to but... be like you're going to pay more money for this feature, which now is right. why it I comes have thought of one. Then way. why would they spend you know five minutes of a presentation at the beginning talking about these kind of features? Like that's that was a huge waste they... of time, and that that goes back to I think what I was saying about some of their messaging issues. Like they they. Did not do a great that, job throwing this presentation together. That was one of the my sticking points when I was watching the presentation was they're spending too much time talking about tech and not enough time showing me content. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was a big difference between the Switch uh, presentation and the Wii like E3 presentations was Wii showed off its mm-hmm. features with software showing people playing games. Right. And we saw a Nintendo director talking about things that it can do and kind of having you imagine what it can do rather than seeing what it can do and that right. was a yeah, big bummer and, for you me you know like a, a big problem 
with uh, or a, a big strength of Wii and its marketing was that it was super simple to convey. Like you can, you know, you see a guy go out there on stage, waggle the Wii remote around, and voila, he's playing tennis, and everyone instantly gets it. Uh, right. But HD Rumble is not a concept that you can really show off in a commercial or a presentation and make people get it. Yeah. So right. I'm I'm hoping that even though it was a big part of their press conference, I'm hoping it's not a big part of their marketing because if you try to market HD Rumble, I I don't think it's going to work. I don't, I don't think people are going to get it unless they physically feel the switch in their hands. Yeah. But uh, yeah. one way that it actually could be really good and could be put to an interesting use, we've seen in those patents, Nintendo uh, filed a patent for like basically popping uh, the Joy-Cons off the Switch, just taking the screen and sliding it into a headset to use as a VR device. Mm. And to have that sort of HD rumble immersive feature, that could work well with HD, I oh. think, if you can feel different, th- or with uh, VR, VR, you can feel different yeah. things in your hands while playing a VR game. So I think that's a, a potentially interesting application, but Nintendo obviously hasn't said anything publicly about VR yet. They haven't broached the topic at all. And in the past, when they've talked about it, they've been very uh, negative and hesitant. So if that is where they want to go with this, uh, they're not talking about it yet. But I think that is a really interesting potential application. Well, I mean, it's been clear yeah, so that it opens that's... a door, but it's not, it's it, not necessarily likely that they're going to travel through it. Well, it's been clear that their end game is this sort of immersive 3D sort of experience for a long time. They tried it with Virtual yeah. Boy. They were experimenting with 3D on GameCube. 3DS happened. Um, so I they I know they're exploring technologies in that space, and they're doing it deliberately. And they are moving, trying to move toward a future where 3D is the big thing, and they're at the forefront of it because it's been part mm-hmm. of their philosophy for the last like it's probably i'd say 20 years at this point n64 was really sort of the the start of when they really started taking off with that um but the question is when is it going to come to market um and if we don't see a lot of traditional switch software using it then it's got to be vr or else why over engineer these joy cons so much why make people pay more for these joy cons did i drop from the call again we lost colin again oh my god Uh. (laughs) Whoops. I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, this, this is yeah. going to be what Switch voice chat is like. Oh, my God. No, <laughs> please don't jinx it. Oh, man. I, I'm not sure I have time to edit this episode either. So, viewers, if you hear all this, I am sorry. Uh, <laughs> but that's uh, whatever. Um, so is it time to move on to the software lineup? Um, have we have we talked about peripheral prices? I mean, Alex just kind of briefly uh, mentioned it. Briefly, but, I don't have a lot to say. They're too expensive. Yeah, I, the, I get, the one that period. especially gets me, like you know, everyone's complaining about the Joy Cons, and I do think they're a little overpriced. They're not really mm-hmm. any more expensive than Wii remotes, though. But uh, the thing that gets me is the Nintendo Switch dock. I mean, we, before we thought maybe it'll have, like, a, a small extra processor that boosts it, and then we saw the patents that showed that Nintendo had considered putting, like, a fan in it just to keep it cool if it's overclocked. But from what mm-hmm. I'm hearing from people that went hands-on, it's neither. It's literally just a piece of plastic that outputs onto your TV and charges the machine. So it's it's basically a $90 HDMI cable and USB charger. And that, to me, seems really aggressively priced. Yeah, yeah, I would have uh, put it at forty or fifty, knowing what's in it. The good news is every Switch comes with a dock, but 
It does. I, I don't know what they're trying to get out well, of selling the docks individually at that. I mean, I guess the only people who lose the docks. Well, they're trying uh, to get you to have it be able to set up, uh, be able to set it up on any TV in your home, or at least multiple TVs in your home. So that's oh, their sort that's of true. Yeah. justification yeah, right. for it. But I don't know that I'm willing to pay ninety dollars to no, of course to not. sort of have. I mean, it's not really like having another switch in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I feel anyway. like I feel like a lot of this sort of over engineering and and high accessory pricing is contributing to the high cost of the device and I'm just like Agreed. Uh, my my reaction to that is I don't want to pay for tech. I want to pay for games. I want to pay for good game experience. Especially when the tech is not going to be used in any meaningful way for quite some time. Sure. Again, I think you're underestimating how great milk is. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> or other substances. <laughs> um, so, software, though, 1-2-Switch, that's a good transition. Uh, they've got some crazy mini-games. One of them is milking a cow. Uh, <laughs> While staring into someone's eyes. Yeah, it's a little out there. Uh, <laughs> but Nintendo's all about these wacky mini-games. Um yeah, I and this that, this is one that I really feel like, even though I'm not super interested in it, if you're going to put all this tech into Switch, I feel like you have to put the game that shows off that tech as a bundle yes. deal so people can, you know, really get into it. But, yeah, but they like, haven't announced any plans to bundle it at this point. Do we really yeah, want 1-2-Switch to be included with Switch? Do we really want that to be the face? I mean, it should be pre-installed at no extra do cost we, do and we really not want it to be the, put on the package. The face of the, yes. of the system? I mean, Face Raiders came with 3DS. That didn't make a negative impression on it anyone. It didn't really accomplish I know, anything. You're not invited to my milk parties. I no, mean, but f- one two switch won't accomplish anything. Priced at fifty dollars as a physical well, purchase anyway. No, it, it unless yeah. so, it's not like it matters. No, you're 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 right. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just. <laughs> okay. I can't understand why this game exists aside from the people that will inevitably <laughs> put Snapchats of it on their Snapchat, like. <laughs> I mean, I do see the appeal of bringing this to, like, a party. Like, let's say everyone's drunk and someone has a switch and says, oh, who can press a button faster? Let's pretend we're cowboys. You know, some BS <laughs> like that. I can imagine these kinds of games actually being a lot of fun in social settings. The problem is they won't be fun for more than one or two plays. Like, the the, the appeal of them is a whole big group of people will cycle through and you know, there will be 1v1 matchups and you'll see who does best out of everyone in the room, but you'll do that once, maybe twice. Once you've played the quick draw game, once you've played the table tennis game, you've got it and you're done. You don't want to get anything more out of it. So, I mean, there is a really good benefit to this game in bringing the Switch to social settings so that this game can can make a positive impression of Nintendo Switch mm-hmm. to people who don't know what Nintendo Switch sure. is. But there is no benefit in selling this as a separate title. Sure. No, no one who plays this game in those social settings will then say, oh, I want to have this for myself. Right. They might say, I want to have a Nintendo Switch so that I can bring Zelda around and Skyrim around with me like this, but they won't be doing it so that they can play 1-2-Switch on their own Sure, time. And that's sort of the... Well, I know so we'll probably get to this. That's my argument for that. That's sort of the thing Probably. that I find most disheartening. Did about I cut out again? Are you kidding me? The Switch is with Wii Sports and Wii Play and all those Wii launch titles. It was all about you want to own these games. You want to play them for yourself at home. 
One Two Switch is right. like a game where I showed my friends the Switch, and now they want a Switch. They don't necessarily want One Two Switch. So it's like they're expecting yeah, Switch agree. owners to be ambassadors for the Switch, which is not something that you really saw them doing with Wii. Wii was a thing where you saw it right. or you tried it at a store and you wanted it. Right. Um, yeah, and it's exactly. Not, it's not doing that Kyle, job. I know we were probably going to get to this a little later, but you mentioned Skyrim, and uh, we also found out that is a fall release, which yeah. seems a bit... I mean, I, I know they probably don't want to have two big open-world games at the same time with Zelda, and I get not wanting to cannibalize that, but by the time it comes out on Switch, it'll have been out on uh, Xbox One and PS4 for about a year. A pretty I mean, it's good been out on 360 a, for like five years. Yeah. What but, if, I mean, like I the, don't the, see the, it mattering the difference between March and fall yeah, for Skyrim, I honestly. Well, I but either. I mean, I, I think it'll probably be discounted on those platforms by now so i think it'll probably oh, yeah, be a, a full-priced game on switch and like a you know a 20 dollar download on ps4 yeah that that's point. probably yeah, true. that's so fair if if uh if the allure of being able to take it on the go is so strong it could have you know some potency but i i, I don't know how many people are going to be enticed to pick it up but you know like i said right. i can see them not wanting it to sort of try to compete with zelda so yeah it's kind no, of I a completely darned agree. if you don't darned if you do situation i'm not super worried about it because and i know it won't do as well as minecraft probably although maybe it will i don't know but minecraft uh came out at the like typical minecraft debut price on switch or i'm sorry on wii u and mm-hmm. and did okay despite the fact that it was like several years late to to wii u so i'm not mm-hmm. i don't I don't think Skyrim being this like really huge phenomenon of a game is going to suffer the same problems that a lot of other like late third party ports did just because Skyrim has that star power. Um, yeah, but, it's possible. You know, I, I we don't know what's going to happen, so it's an interesting decision. Yeah. Um so up next, Xenoblade 2 has been confirmed and revealed. It's got a little bit That's more a bit of a cartoony look than the original did. It feels super anime, and I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> I liked that the original Xenoblade was really grounded in its art style, even if some of the like environments were really crazy and ridiculous, and, and some of the mm-hmm. mechs and character designs, uh, like like the, the creature designs, were, were a little out there. So I... I I don't really care for the fact that they're trending more toward anime because it kind of reminds me of the things I didn't like about Xenoblade Chronicles X, which were that okay. it started embracing a lot of really, really stereotypical sci-fi anime tropes that Xenoblade uh, 1 did not. So I'm not super happy about it because I loved the Xenoblade art style, even if the character models were not so so hot. See, I'm not as uh, as into the series as you. Like, I, uh, I bought yeah. the first one mm-hmm. and I played I played it a bit, but I never ended up finishing it. So for me, it's just the visual look. You know, it looks cleaner and more polished, but I can see it sort of not fitting with kind of the aesthetic of the previous games. I just know mm-hmm. that the, the character models of the older games were less than desirable. Yeah, and I and think that's why... I think that's why they're going with the style that they are because it can be a lot more yeah. cleaner that way and you can express the animations better. Like, those are all valuable things. It's just, like, mm. that's not the style that Xenoblade was. Right. So, sure. But uh, on the bright side, uh, I'm loving the way the environments are. Um, it. I'm glad that they're making a follow-up to the original Xenoblade Chronicles and not to X. Um, I'm very surprised that they're doing that. I did not see that coming. Me too. I thought it, we'd get a Xenoblade mm-hmm. X port and that would be that. Um, so that, that was a really cool moment. Cool. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey has been revealed, and he goes to wonderful locations like New Donk City. 
Uh, that game comes out in holiday of 2017, uh, and it looks pretty good. He's got some new abilities. He can throw his hat out to hurt enemies, and he can bounce on it and reach over like wide gaps and platforms. It looks like it's got some great platforming, really imaginative worlds. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited for this. Me too. Like more excited than I thought it would be. And like big yeah. open explorable areas. There's like a forest with robots. There was mm-hmm. a, a place all made of food where hammer bros throw frying pans at you instead of hammers. Yeah. Like I, I I mean, I know a lot of people have been complaining about the sort of real life city. Obviously it's not, it's New Donk City. Um, <laughs> but I, I definitely will agree that the the human character models next to Mario looks a little awkward, but everything else about the city I love and all of the non-city environments look mm-hmm. great. And I'm just really excited to play as Mario and travel around the world and like totally actually have too. open areas to explore and things to do. Like I, I don't know, I'm really, really excited for this game. Yeah, and I love the diversity in the worlds too, visually Definitely. and in terms of just the 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 uh, the themes of the worlds. Like a, like uh, a, so that's all a really desert covered in ice and like I said, a, a forest full yeah. of robots. Like it's it's some weird ideas and I love it. Yeah, it's yeah, a- and the one with like all the food looks it's very polygonal. It reminds me of Grow Home. So I feel mm-hmm. like there's this cool way that they can blend the styles of a lot of different games into this Mario game, and that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, um, I just love that they're switching away from that that uh, sort of sterile, old-school Mario content that they've been hammering into our heads mm-hmm. since New Super Mario Brothers. So yeah. uh, this is a really fresh-looking game. Um, I'm a mm-hmm. little concerned by some of the open-world areas because some of them just look like they're open with no real design to them. But I know we've only seen a very small fragment of the game, and so I'm sure that uh, we'll sort of see how the challenges are structured as as we learn more. Um, yeah, yeah, New Dark City was only the area was the only area that really gave me that vibe. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, like yeah, you said, we'll, we'll have to see. We we haven't really been shown much of the content so far. Um, I yeah. also- I'm really hoping personally that they use this kind of visual and aesthetic diversity in the different worlds to then, once you beat the game, take Mario over to like Delfino Plaza for a mission and go over to like the Good Egg Galaxy or something and, and take him across these different places and, and give people who have been wanting stuff like a Mario Sunshine sequel or like a new Luigi's Mansion or something, put Mario in these places and give those fans little tastes of what they want so that some of them can shut up and so that some of them can just be happy. Yeah, and, and at least New Dark City appears to be based off of, you know, like Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, but, I saw that. I noticed uh, that. Yeah. yeah. I've seen some people speculate that maybe the forest could be based on Pikmin and things like that. I'm not really expecting oh. any of that. But that would be really cool if Mario could yeah. actually travel not just to other worlds, but to other Nintendo IPs, like, throughout his Odyssey. <laughs> Man. Also, I want to pat everyone on the back who saw that small snippet in the Switch, the original Switch announcement trailer, and totally called what the gimmick of the game would be in terms of its content. There are tons of people mm-hmm. saying, what if Mario goes around the world in this game? And that's exactly what we're getting. So, yeah, really good job. Yeah. I mean, is this a remake of, uh, what was <laughs> that game? Mario is missing. Or Mario's Does Time Mar- Machine. No, no, Mario's, Mario's, Mario's Time Machine. Luigi Mario's Time Machine. Mario's Time Machine. Was Time Machine the one where he goes around I mean, the world? I mean, he goes around the world, or you travel around the world. But in, also to different time periods? Yeah. Okay, I don't remember too much about it. Cool. Um, <laughs> then Splatoon 2, so it is a quote sequel. It's obviously just a port with lots of new content that they're calling a sequel. Um, I don't know that I'd obviously say... obviously they didn't rebuild the whole game engine and everything. I don't know that I'd say it's a port. Um, it's none of but, this... Yeah, so Splatoon has become a an official second game. 
I wouldn't say it's a port. None of the specials What's are the that? same. Sorry, you cut out a lot. They have tons of new weapons. Uh, mechanics have... I know mechanics Alex, changing either. doesn't necessarily make it not a port, but the mechanics have changed in pretty substantial ways. Um, I know the, the core yeah. concept is the oh, same. Oh, definitely. The game is vastly different, for sure. Um, the hub is treated as it's as if it's a sequel. The game takes place two years later. Um, so I, Oh, does it? Yeah, that's... that's. Did we hear this in the, the Treehouse I'm, presentation? I I don't know where we heard it, but it trickled down to me from somewhere. Oh, okay, I didn't get to see that. Um, which okay. is why you see Marie being all like... I don't know what she's oh, doing. Edgy. edgy, yeah. I love the yeah. theory. I love the theory that Callie died after the the last Splatfest. And, oh no! <laughs> and so Marie is like trying to get revenge. Um, oh my god! Uh, yeah, no. Uh, my Laura, uh, you all know that my wife is really in love with Splatoon, and uh, she yeah. just we she had been we were uh, at a at a sort of. Uh, an obligation while the the event was going on i was like lauren lauren they're showing they're showing splatoon and she ran in and her jaw was <laughs> just dropped and i think she cried a little bit um <laughs> so uh yeah no this is this is great um i'm glad I, i'm, I'm glad they turned legendary it, 717 hours i think she's at now um i'm i'm just surprised they turned around a sequel this fast I totally thought it would yeah. be more of more of a. Well, board. I mean, the game did so well. I guess they figured they had to capitalize on that. I, you know, I was expecting more of like a, a season two type deal, but I, I think it's pretty cool that they uh, have enough faith in this new IP to keep building off of it right away. Yeah, and I'm curious. I mean, I do think that this is a lot of the content that they were already planning and building for Splatoon, and just eventually said, "Well, we'll." put a plug yeah. in this and one a year down the line, we'll just release it all at once and call it Splatoon two. Um, I don't know that I necessarily agree that just because a lot of the the like weapons and stuff are different and new means that it isn't still the game that they were originally planning on porting. Um, I think they just realized there's enough stuff in here that we can say it's Splatoon 2. That's that. Well, there's a lot of fundamental changes to the way some weapons work. That's sort of what, what really convinced me. Um, sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a Mario Galaxy situation where they started working on a one and a half and then halfway through no, like, yeah. screw it, we might as well just flush this yeah, out. True. It definitely True. feels that way to me. We'll have to see what the story mode and stuff are mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Um, all right. Arms. Arms. I. There were arms. I'm, Lots I'm of arms. Long, long still arms, stretchy not arms. totally sure how to feel about this game. Um, uh, I think it looks like it can be cool it looks like it's got potential but it doesn't look like there is enough built in there yet for this to be like a full game to get really excited about you know it looks a little too simplistic so far well i haven't i didn't really you know i watched the trailer but i haven't watched any of like the the treehouse footage for it mm-hmm. I, I know they they build it as this is the like deep new game we have but right i, I don't know how how true that was because like i said i haven't watched the in-depth footage but my my first take on it was just like oh you know i, I like this game's style it's nice to see nintendo doing some interesting new things but i'm probably not gonna get it yeah yeah it, it seemed yeah, like I can it's... understand that. I mean, I think fundamentally a lot of the things that it does are similar enough to other fighting games, Tekken, Pokemon Tournament, um, you know, oh, oh, and a lot of those 3D fighting games based on, like, anime properties, too, mm-hmm. that I don't know that fundamentally this idea will be able to sell as many people on it as something like Splatoon, which is 
pretty fresh. It's got, you know, it's it's a paintball game. It's a territory-covering shooter. Like, it was fundamentally very different from a lot of other things that Nintendo's made and the rest of the industry has made, whereas this seems like a fresh take on something that is already very common and not all that popular. So I don't know how much potential well, it and has. and that might be okay. I mean, it's got the killer name, though. Because yeah, I mean, I think it looks good. I think it's okay. Well, it seems to me like it's doing the same kind of job that Punch-Out! did for NES and maybe a little yeah. bit for Wii, except for they've, because of the way that they formatted it, they've reinvented the IP around the way they formatted it. So I could see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Punch-Out! wasn't this, like, huge hit or anything, but it was. It did respectably. Now, the question is, do, is doing respectably enough uh, when development costs are way higher than they were back then? But for the kinds right. of the kinds of games Nintendo's been putting out on on Switch, which are by and large, we're going to please, uh, we're going to tickle the itch that you've had with our past consoles with new content uh, and sequels. This feels very much like, a, oh well, you loved Punch Out back in the day. Here's here's the new sort of Punch Out kind of game. Try it out. Um, and that's sort of that. That's a strategy that they pulled with Wii. Yeah. And Wii didn't just draw in casual gamers; it also drew in people who'd played Nintendo consoles a long time ago and just hadn't picked one up in a while. So I could see it being serving that sort of purpose and and filling that niche pretty well. But I don't know because I'm not the the target audience for it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I I agree with everything you've said. Um, but I am I am kind of concerned with. Uh, how much time they spent on it, and how little time they then spent on a lot of the other things that we know are more likely to sell the Switch to the kinds of consumers it needs to sell to. ARMS seems a little... Uh, I'm trying to avoid saying something like on and the he's side. Gone. <laughs> ARMS um, seems what? <laughs> but it seems like it is a little bit of a side story um, to <laughs> a lot of the other hanging. games that, that we'll I want to be selling to seems much like. wider audiences. So uh, that's all. I, 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 I do worry a little bit on the kinds of games it's that they seem to be prioritizing. List, it or not. Um, it'll depend. Uh, but it'll ARMS depend looks great. I do fully embrace I it. And I, like for what it is, I am super excited. Can you guys hear also, me? Yeah, Am I, how much I did I cut out again? I'll again. probably be burning all my time on Zelda. Oh, I know. Uh, I hate that's this. That's why I'm... I hate anyway, this. we'll talk about that later. Never mind. Here we go. Hey, Colin has returned. Hey. We, we were left hanging. We didn't know what you were going to say about arms, and it was breaking our hearts. Arms. <laughs> I have no idea where I dropped off either. Oh, man. You said it like arms feels like, I think, and then, and then you cut out. Arms feels like... <laughs> yeah, whatever. I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> Um, yeah, so are we done talking about arms? I am definitely done talking about arms. arms. <laughs> All right. Fire yeah. Emblem Warriors. Uh, it exists. We know nothing about it. This was the it's obvious probably... Tecmo Koei co- yeah. collaboration. Mm-hmm. Koei Tecmo. I, they want I to think say the it. idea is great, and I think they should launch it like three months after the Fire Emblem mobile app. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But they showed us nothing but a trailer of The Shield. So I'm not convinced it's anywhere near ready for that. Now, yeah, is that supposed to I be... just think that that's, you know, that's the optimal thing to do is yeah, to release agreed. the mobile app and then a few months later drop the, the actual game. Now, totally agreed. I know there's supposed to be a Fire Emblem Direct coming up. Do we know if this um, is going to be featured in that at all? Or is that just the mobile app? Maybe. Um, Let's see if I can find out. I would out. be surprised if 
warriors were featured in the direct though if it if it is not featured at all in this presentation because this seems like the time to show it off certainly um i would imagine the direct is more focused on the mobile app uh i just checked i just did a quick search silicon era at least says fire emblem warriors information will be revealed during the presentation okay cool so ha cool all right. Cool. Uh, yeah. Breath of the Wild is a launch title. There's an awesome new trailer. We saw Zelda, the Deku Tree, Gorons, Gerudo, Zora. Oh my god, I'm, I'm dying. So it was amazing. Well, and it's so not just excited. fan service. I don't even really have anything to say. It was just awesome all around, amazing stuff. It's it's not just that there's a ton of fan service. It's that there's a ton of content diversity. There's a ton of exciting things that we wouldn't have even imagined would be yeah, this game. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um it's you know got my imagination just churning yeah and the like, trailer I, was just so... i mean i was already looking forward to it but we didn't really know what we'd see outside of the great plateau hello did we lose lex it's Maybe. been cutting out yeah. a little bit he just says oh my god this has been a disaster <laughs> i'm telling you man switch voice yeah. chat uh, are everyone's... My settings are on low. Are everyone's quality settings the down lowest. on uh, audio only? Yeah. Uh, let me double check. Switch to audio only. See if that helps. Yeah, mine's already on audio only. Okay. Um, yeah, I my, I was already pumped for this game, but now I'm so much more pumped because we got to see, you know, a lot of returning races, some interesting cutscenes. Uh, you know, we got mm-hmm. to see a lot of what out, what's outside the Great Plateau because a lot of people were worried, you know, this is... It's going to be a big, empty world, and there's just, you know, Nintendo said there's not going to be too much story to it, so I think a lot of people were worried there's not going to be any at all, but, I mean, we got mm-hmm. to see clips from multiple different cutscenes and Link meeting different races, like, there's clearly going to be story, it's just not going to be a linear forced thing. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm just really excited now to explore into that world and like the, the Zoras they look freaking awesome like I want to go find Zora's domain mm-hmm. see what it looks like in this art style and go talk yeah. to every Zora right now like and, it and looks the Gorons like, the Gorons look amazing too it looks like they're yeah. adding more yeah. uh, uh, I gotta say I am most hyped about the Deku Tree returning yeah I love the Deku Tree I love what the Deku Tree represents as like a spiritual guardian in the Zelda universe and it breaks my heart that he's not really in very many more things besides Ocarina of Time and the Wind Waker and like a brief you know role in the Oracle games um, I because... think you're forgetting freshly picked Tingle's Rosie Rupee Land Thank oh you very much. that's right my bad we don't need any more Deku Tree <laughs> <laughs> go home everyone um, no I, I love that the Deku Tree is there and I love that, that he plays that sort of role because um, I feel like a, a spiritual guardian in distress there's something really really powerful about that theme that that Mm -hmm. there there is a physical manifestation of life in hyrule um and you know whether that organism is healthy or in a state of decay sort of represents how hyrule itself is doing so yeah what did you guys think about the voice acting I thought it was fine. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Uh, so I, you know, when they when they first when they first did the presentation, it was in Japanese, and then later they uploaded uh, an English track. And mm-hmm. I think both of them are fine. Like you said, I didn't think the the North American one was bad by any means. But I'm really hoping that they do give you multiple language or uh, multiple like audio language options with the oh, game, sure. since you know they're they're not region locked. So hopefully that's just something that they you know do as default because. Uh, Honestly, there were, there were times where I thought, like, the Japanese voice acting felt a little more passionate, and mm. just given the, the game's sort of anime look, like, it 
it fits and it also you know obviously it's not hylian but you know it can kind of give you that sort of illusion of you're you're seeing them talk in their native language sure. in this sort of anime zelda world so i can dig yeah. it i if they give me the option to try japanese i'll i'll try it in english as well but i think there's a there's a pretty good chance i play through the game with uh, the japanese voiceover because i thought okay, it, cool. it all worked pretty well for the cutscenes. yeah one thing that i really um, liked about the voice acting see. was it mario kart 8 deluxe what do you got one thing that I really liked the voice about the voice acting was it sounded like an old Hello? fantasy cartoon, and and that really appeals to me because that seems to be the style that they're going for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Let's see. La, 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 la. Mario Kart Eight Deluxe. Inklings are coming. There's battle mode. Finally. Battle also, mode. Excite. And you can hold also two items. three characters who have already been in Mario Kart before. So I hope they add more because that making up for a fault is not a uh, positive. That is a completely neutral thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and then the other thing is <laughs> I can take Mario Kart Eight on the go. Yes. So like, good. I love it. I I'm put so, and, so many hours into Mario Kart 7, so mm-hmm. having just basically 7 and 8 in one experience plus, you know, extra stuff, that's... I'm yeah, excited. I am totally. so excited. And I hope they, they revealed some of these new courses soon, too, because, mm-hmm. oh my god, I can't wait. I'm salivating, uh, metaphorically. Um, <laughs> but uh, there are also new items, well, returning items. The feather from Super Mario Kart... Looks really cool, really useful. Yeah, I wasn't expecting um, and I think that. that's also a great addition for the battle mode. Um, so you can jump over walls and stuff. Yeah. And the boo from previous Mario Kart games, the last one I think it was in was Super Circuit, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. Um, which basically turns you transparent. I forget if it makes you go drive, like, okay over rough terrain. Um, but it also just steals an item from someone behind you or ahead of you. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all good stuff. Yep, yep, yep. And, I um, I would have wished that they could have put the feather in for uh, the racing uh, mode. If but... no one else, what did someone sign out? I mean, is it not? I don't think so. I think it's only battle mode. I, I don't remember where I heard this, but I think I did hear that it's battle only. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, I can see why. Maybe they're worried about like exploits retro... or something. Yeah, yeah. I, so. I don't Doesn't think I don't like... think they could retrofit it into the old tracks very well, but. Uh, it, if they're going to be reaching out to the Super Nintendo fans, yeah. might as well try to go all the way. So I'm a little, a little disappointed about that. Sure. Yeah, but uh, I can also see how it would be kind of a bad item to get in a, in you know the the Grand Prix. It doesn't really seem like it would be very useful at all. I mean, well, they, they, they could design shortcuts specifically for it, but yeah, they'd have like to yeah. mesh with the the old existing tracks already. Yeah, yeah. It'd be, it'd be yeah. a good. I'd be, be a good, that would just be too much work. Be a good track cutting um, thing. So I don't mind. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Project Octopath Traveler is a new RPG from Square Enix. It looks gorgeous. It has a terrible name. Um... This I don't think I've been excited for an RPG uh, this strongly in a long time. I mean, for me, it looks a lot like Bravely Default, um, which is good. Can you guys hear me? But um, we haven't seen enough of it yet for me to really be that excited. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot of strong thoughts on it. Yeah. It is nice that we're seeing I like I like the visual style, but definitely. You know, I'll, I'll definitely have to see a little more before I see if it's for me. 
Yeah, and it's nice that it that it looks the way it does. I really miss that pixel aesthetic for JRPGs. I think that they really lose something when they uh, go the route that they have recently with like Bravely Default. I couldn't really get into that art style, um, and and it's been kind of disappointing to see stuff like Golden Sun die while stuff like Final Fantasy transitions into fully 3D open world. Um, so a game that has that kind of retro sensibility in its JRPG ness without um, without losing that modern sense of visual flair. Love it. And I will say that's something that maybe we can expect more of in the future just because uh, PlayStation Vita was a treasure trove for JRPGs, and that is True. no more, and Sony's obviously not going to make another one. So, you know, those those developers that are interested in making those kinds of games, I think uh, Switch or possibly 3DS are, are basically their only platform options going forward. Yep. Uh, we got Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. Shovel Knight's campaigns are basically breaking into much smaller games, and then Treasure Trove is the, the title that they are using to release all the campaigns in one package. Uh, I think it's going to be great to take Shovel Knight on the go, mm-hmm. but I also don't have a lot to say about that. Yeah, more Shovel Knight goodness is always good, but yeah, oh, yeah. There's, there's not a ton to add. Yeah, and it sounds like Alex dropped. Oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> We're having the best recording session. Yeah, this is great. I love it. I love it. Uh, there's no way I'll be able to edit all of these issues. So apologies, listeners. You'll have to deal with all of our uh, ramblings and confusion, and you'll. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope. I hope it gives you some masochistic pleasure. Not masochistic. We'll have to stop ourselves from uh, swearing profusely too, since you don't have time to edit. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Wow. 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 Uh, Alex is having trouble getting back into the call. Well, wah. Wah. God. (laughs) Yeah, we we didn't get a Waluigi-centric game. What's up with that? Yeah, I mean, let's just see who can do the best wah. We should have a wah off until Alex returns. Is that what we'll do? We'll have a wow. I'm pretty sure you're going to win. <laughs> I'm going to wah off. Okay. <laughs> well, if you wah. buy that milk game, then maybe. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, but why haven't we had why why is Mario and Luigi RPGs given us Bowser on X and Y and given us stupid billions of Luigi's? Actually, billions of Luigi's is awesome. Uh, <laughs> but why are Wario and Waluigi not playable on X and Y in a game? Screw partners in time. I need partners in crime. <laughs> Do we have Alex back now? Is he? I hope. I see Come on, icon. okay. Come on, I'm baby. Uh, Alex. Am I lagging though? Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, so. Yes, I am. <laughs> you're fine now, it sounds. Um, so, on top of all that stuff, we got a slew of cool little multiplayer games. We got Super Bomberman R, Ultra Street Fighter 2, Poyo Poyo Tetris. Um, so, some cool multiplayer stuff that will be really nice in terms of bringing the Switch around with you and breaking it out when you're like, let's say, at a food court in a mall and you need to pass the time. Mm-hmm. Um, just these cool little two-player games you can play real quick, have a lot of fun with. Um, and there are some other games we already knew about. We already talked about Skyrim, but there's Sonic Mania, there's Minecraft, there's both Dragon Quest Heroes games. No, we um, didn't know that Sonic Mania was coming to Switch before, though, right? That I don't think that no, had been but we, confirmed. we knew. What I meant was we knew about Sonic right. Mania's existence, um, and I'm glad we now that it's know coming that it's to coming to Switch. Right? It'd be nice to right. have that on the go. Yep. 
Um, um, but it was also completely they, they expected. Another game they didn't name, but uh, that they, they showed off in their like montage at the end. Uh, I don't know if it was one or two, but I definitely saw a brief clip of Dragon Ball Xenoverse and with their sizzle reel. That's right. Yeah. Um, there's a few more games also that they, they shoveled developers out on stage and committed to. There's No More Heroes uh, in some way. There's Shin Megami Tensei Five. it sounds like, but it might be some sort of spin-off or side game somehow. Um, there's FIFA. Sega said they'd consider making some stuff. Um, a lot of those were, were vague non-committals, but... Um, I've heard... I don't know how reliable this is, but I've heard some rumblings that the, uh, like, built-for-the-Switch version of FIFA is really just, like, an updated version of the last-gen game. But, uh, I, I mean, guess we'll yeah. have to see. <laughs> EA. It's EA. They, they did not do a lot there. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure... We can talk more about that in I'm a pretty bit, sure too. one of the FIFA games on Wii was literally, like, they just took the game from the last year and, like, added they a patch that changed the, the rosters. That, yeah. that was it. <laughs> so... Um. So there's a game rental service as part of their online program. Uh, so that's free for the first several months, I think, until October. Um, but they basically, they every month for free, you can rent a NES or SNES game. Uh, and the SNES games, some of them will have added online functionality, which is really cool. Um, so it sounds like this is a sort of dipping, they're dipping their toes in the water for the virtual console service, which they, I believe Reggie said they were going to announce, uh, later. Um, so I think that's cool. A lot of people are blowing up about it because they're mad that they don't get to keep the games that they get for free, but I don't see any reason, like, I, I give Nintendo the benefit of the doubt that that's not going to be the only thing that their online service does. Like, you're also going to have virtual console, you're also going to have, like, uh, you know, my Nintendo rewards and stuff. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, I if you look at like Sony and Microsoft, I mean, that's they they already offer you like access to a store and multiplayer. Oh and yeah, some rewards. there's no and question they, that if that's the only thing that they get month, out of this so. online service, there's no question that that is not enough for a premium right. price online subscription. Uh, but I just I don't think that that's the entire yeah and and if that's the case that's then I, I basically feel like they should have just not mentioned the renting a game thing at yeah. all because they're they're upsetting a lot of people with hey yeah. we'll let you rent a game a month like you what mate yeah <laughs> I bet you so, get but cloud like saves. you said there's there's potential for more I bet you get cloud saves I bet you get discounts uh, we haven't just haven't yeah. seen any of anything that would be related to that yet um, so mm-hmm. right we just have to wait and see. No point in getting excited or upset about it. Yeah. Um, so most of the games cost $60. That's the other big thing that uh, we learned about the software as a whole. Um, is So, like, Super Bomberman R, for example, full $60 game. Um, uh, one to Switch will cost $50. Four people will buy that. Um, I'm surprised we're not seeing more tiered pricing, especially for I, me for too. Because they've been games. playing this with this for a while, yeah. with Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze and Kirby and the Rainbow Curse. Um, I mean, I know a lot of these titles are third party, and that's up to the discretion of the third party developers. But still, yeah. I mean, in some cases, I feel like these titles are like a resurgence of of game types and franchises that we haven't seen in a long time, like Bomberman, yeah, for example. Um, oh, yeah. like I could totally see that being justifying the sixty dollars price tag. Uh, just because that's such a huge, but I don't think anyone's going to pay sixty dollars for a Bomberman 2, game um, in the classic style of Bomberman in this yeah, day. I don't age. know about one two switch. I mean, if they made some um, crazy we'll revolutionary three D Bomberman, 
And this thing. is just kind of a problem Maybe. the industry in general but, has, where it's like, oh, it's you know, either a $10 sort of like indie game or it's a $60 edition, game. Right? Like, no, no, there's, there's only a lot of you can do it to your Minecraft. So there's different sizes and experiences and price it low. Minecraft and Shovel Knight get to be the middle yeah. ground. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I'm, I am Alex, kind of ben, encouraged by the fact that Nintendo is courting a lot of these, like, mid-range types of games, and they're not just going mm-hmm. for the typical multi-platform games that we've been seeing in the past. Um, that's an approach mm-hmm. that I was hoping they would take with Wii, and then it never really materialized. We got a handful of Nintendo-funded mm-hmm. exclusives, like Wonderful 101, that did nothing. But it sounds like they're really reaching for games that have more of a punch, that'll really bring back people that they've lost. Arms. Uh, ha. <laughs> Are we just going to make arms jokes uh, for the on the podcast arms. for the rest yeah. of its existence? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hope. <laughs> uh, like, I really love that they're not just putting out another version of Street Fighter Five somehow, and they're getting a version of Street Fighter Two instead. Like, that's I would not have expected that. Um, I love that they're putting out like you said we're saying about Octopath. They're putting out a pixel a pixel art uh, JRPG. Uh, they're getting a bunch of Dragon Quest games. Uh, Sonic is going to be there. Bomberman, like I said, Bomberman is going to be there. That's that's a that's a lineup that'll that'll attract a lot of people who haven't played a Nintendo console in a long time, as we're seeing with the right. uh, NES Classic, for example. So I'm I'm encouraged right. by the fact that they're they're using that strategy instead of just doing what they did with Wii U and saying, well, we've got a full fledged controller now. Port all your games and add gamepad enhancements, <laughs> which no one wanted to do. Yeah. So it's great. I love right. that they're cultivating their own library. It's it's awesome. Right. Um, the bit my big takeaway from the presentation and the library they showed off was that. And and this concerns me is that third parties still really are not supporting this console in any serious way, because uh, as as you mentioned, Ben, EA is porting one game and it's their most successful game, the one that they can put probably the least amount of work into for the most payoff, and they're only committing to that one game. Sega went on stage to say that they're considering games. Suda51 came on clearly unprepared, making vague statements about his hope for No More Heroes on Switch. So, I mean, especially given everything that we've heard about how easy it is to port games to Switch, if this is the kind of heavy artillery that Nintendo pulls out on a stage presentation introducing the console, it shows that they really haven't done their homework. And, and that is extremely discouraging. It echoes a lot of the problems they had with Wii U. It echoes a lot of the problems they've been having as a company and their philosophies regarding third-party developers as a whole. Um, so I, I, am, I am just straight-up concerned about yeah. that. Uh, but the other side of it, too, just goes back to what I was saying about their messaging trouble with this event. You know, even given a poor lineup of third-party games, they had a ton of great games there both first and both first party and smaller third party tiers that they relegated to back seats when they didn't need to like you know they've got street fighter sonic mania there's a new bomberman game that looks awesome i can't stress that enough uh, I just don't understand what reason that they could possibly have highlighting the kinds of boring, vague promises they did when there's a stable of amazing games they can already show off. Yeah. Like, even if they're concerned about looking like they're leaning too far into that retro stuff and those franchises and genres that we haven't seen in a while, I just don't understand in what possible world every one of your favorite party games are now available at home and on the go is a worse statement to make than... I hope you see Travis one day. 
Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I really don't think they needed to have uh, like Patrick Soderlund on there to say that FIFA was coming yeah. to Switch. Like that's something that could be shoved Luigi, away in a press release. And we have soccer games. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Good night. Well, and the disheartening thing for me, especially about EA, is EA holds the rights to the SimCity franchise, which on consoles was a oh franchise that had a partnership with Nintendo back in the day, just like Bomberman did, uh, just like a lot of these franchises that they're mm-hmm. bringing back did, and. Why are none of these Western publishers taking advantage of these opportunities, even when they own the IPs that these partnerships were formed on back in the day? It's just mind-boggling to me. Like, that seems to be the successful pattern for developing uh, third-party games on Nintendo consoles, and no one's doing it. Um, I mean, yeah, but we all know that Western games publishers are run well, by— Well, they don't—they aren't incentivized to. They don't want to. They want to make their big trip, AAA, big-budget uh, Hollywood yeah. games and make tons of money off of them. They don't want to make a little game or for— Or make no money off of them and then cancel those franchises. <laughs> yeah, buy a bunch of studios and then <laughs> When and they then could be them. making much smaller products and making money off of them and keeping those franchises alive. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 uh, we 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 don't want to point the finger just at Nintendo. It's it's a problem with the relationship between Nintendo and third parties, and third parties to have some share of responsibility for that. Yeah, yeah. Um. um so, shall we move on to the the overall outlook for Switch and for Nintendo fans in the coming months as we we wrap this episode yes, up? Let's. We shall. All right. Uh, who wants to start off? You want to go with our uh, Alex Ben Collin alphabetical order here? Why not? I'm totally fine with that. So, uh, based on Switch's pricing, based on the lineup we've seen, uh, based on the the accessory pricing and the way the accessories are positioned, yeah. um, it sounds very like much like Nintendo's strategy is develop a bunch of niche audiences around games that are characteristic of Nintendo. Uh, hardware and franchises so you've got them bringing back zelda in its purest form but also reinventing it oh yeah you've got them bringing back 3d mario uh that's bigger and more ambitious than even mario 64 was back in the day um Mm -hmm. you've got them bringing back all these like super nintendo franchises that people who love super nintendo loved uh and a lot of those people may not be playing games anymore because they don't really make games like those anymore so it's Mm -hmm. nintendo's very much trying to bring people back that they've lost and keep them uh with switch now they are going to be bringing back people who are really 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 into those games and really really have wanted them for a long time and are hungry for them because of the Mm -hmm. price they're not going to be bringing back uh the masses like they did with Wii. it's going to be a much smaller audience a much more demanding audience that's been waiting a long time for games that they haven't been getting from the industry um, so I think they'll be more successful in Wii U in that that is an actual strategy and not uh, just them throwing a bunch of tech at the wall and hoping it sticks uh, and hoping third parties bring their multiplats over and that's no longer something people bash Nintendo products for. Um, that Where was the Kingdom Hearts 3 announcement? What were well, they thinking? Well, How can to... they let that game not get to Switch Well, day we know one? that game's not coming out until 2020, <laughs> so I don't know that that, that, that worries me so much. Yeah, so the Switch will be there. The Switch will be ready. <laughs> uh, Square Enix isn't even talking about that game well, right now. So uh, its absence yeah. doesn't really bother me. Um, but Well, my take is that it's uh, – oh, did you have more, Alex? Nah, I guess that's it. I, I think that'll be a, a good strategy for them to start with, because at least if they can succeed at that, they can build on to bigger and, and better and broader uh, audiences from there. 
Yeah. And I think it'll be a lot easier from there, too, to use those fans as their brand ambassadors. Because if you've got Street Fighter in your bag and two controllers attached to the console, you can break it out anywhere and say, hey, you want to play Street Fighter? Yeah. The person next to you goes, what do you mean? Really? What? And you bust it out, stand it up on the, you know, mm-hmm. the the tray table on the airplane, and both of you play Street Fighter. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, so, like, I think I do think the window is very wide for them to be able to use this kind of software and, and get those people who are already on board with Switch or will get on board with Switch uh, to attract those wider audiences. But, like you said, I don't think that they're going to get those wider audiences as soon as I think yeah. they and should. And you've reminded me of, I guess, another point. Or as effectively. You've reminded me of another point I was thinking about, which is that the launch lineup does seem kind of thin. Uh, when you compare it to mm-hmm. other recent launch lineups. But when you think about it, a lot of launch lineups don't really have a lot of punch. They just have a lot of games. And arms. a lot of... <laughs> Son of a gun. They just have a lot of arms. A lot of, a lot of arms. Uh, and uh, I, I was hearing Emily Rogers say something like, Nintendo. some people with a Nintendo think one of the problems is that they, because so many games are thrown at launch windows, a lot of them don't sell to their potential. And so I love that mm. they're putting, they seem to be trying to put the right games in the right place in the schedule rather than throwing everything at the wall early on. Like, I think that'll be, I think yeah. that'll actually benefit them more than hurt them. Like, even though my initial reaction was, what the heck, why is this launch lineup so small? Uh, I do agree with that. And I do think it will position them for the holiday 2017 a lot better yeah. than and years beyond. Because we know that they, right now, they want to get Nintendo fans on board and they want to satisfy the audience that already plans to buy this thing. They don't want those hardware shortages. They don't <laughs> want... Lost they don't want a lot of the problems. Uh, rest in peace, a lot recently. So it's a little uh, bizarre, but I think they will I'm come sure out of it. Okay. Something insightful. He's off patiently waiting by his um, door for arms to show up. <laughs> Please understand. Can you guys not hear me? Awesome. Cool. I'm kind of sad we didn't get a recorded message from Awada. I mean, I know they wouldn't have expected to do that, but yeah. Uh, just I mean, it was his baby. So. Something like him to presenting the idea to people in a board meeting. It was kind of interesting just to see uh, Tatsumi Kamishima up on the stage presenting, because that's not normally his style. And, yeah. and uh, Colin, can you hear Koizumi us? Also. I can, yay! Yeah. I'm back, yeah. <laughs> I have no. Well, I just Colin's came in and Alex said something about a board Does meeting. Does he know so. he's on mute? Uh, I don't know. Am I on mute? He looks like down. he's on mute. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> now, well, now you can hear me too. Uh, <laughs> so Colin had. I came back and Alex said something about a board meeting. Oh, so yeah. I don't know where we want to take it from there. Uh, well, we were doing like our uh, our outlooks or whatever. So I can just okay. jump into mine if you guys are ready for sure. that. Yeah, go for so it. So my outlook is Switch is super exciting for Nintendo fans. Like mm-hmm. Zelda looks great. The new and improved Mario Kart looks great. People are going to be excited for Splatoon and Xenoblade. Like, there's a lot of reasons to be excited as a Nintendo fan, and you can take it uh, on the go. You can play it at home. Like, it's it's an exciting console. But uh, I don't think that necessarily translates into sales big time mm-hmm. because, like, like we said earlier in the podcast, like if you just get the Nintendo faithful, well, look at Wii U, and you can see you get 13 right. million sales. Uh, so I think Nintendo has to do a really good job of making Switch look like a good value to the outside world, uh, to the to the non Nintendo fans. Um, mm-hmm. And you guys have brought up some good points for how they can do that, kind of like with those uh, those local multiplayer retro throwback games. Those are all really good ideas. But like we were discussing earlier, Colin, um, 
I think the the price of the HD Rumble, I think it's driving the price of the console up, and I don't think yeah. it's something that's going to be uh, used all that much, and I don't think it's something that's really possible to convey to your audience in commercials. So yeah. I feel like it's going to be hard for them to explain why this console's worth the money when a big part of that, well, maybe not a big part, but but when a chunk of that money is for a, a, a cool but probably not super useful feature. I hope I'm wrong, but right now I see this as sort of Nintendo's going to have a tough time marketing this machine yeah um i i agree with that almost entirely you know as a nintendo fan i am ridiculously stoked i am all over that mar that zelda the mario odyssey looks totally amazing i cannot wait to get back into splatoon with a lot of people involved and splatfests are gonna be fun um i miss splatoon jeez um but i'm also stoked for skyrim and minecraft and sonic and street fighter and everything but as an observer, this event convinced me that Nintendo has a really steep uphill battle to climb in order for Switch to reach its sales potential. Because um, I think that this is a fantastic idea for hardware, but it looks like they are just simply not executing their strategy as well as they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've got a lot of the software that they need to make Switch an appealing buy for consumers, but I'm not convinced that the distribution of that software is very good. Like, you know, we were saying earlier, 1-2-Switch shouldn't be a physical purchase at $50. It should be pre-installed for free on every Switch you buy. Games like Bomberman and Sonic Mania are going to need price tags a lot lower than $60 for anyone to buy them in this day and age. And if third parties aren't hitting that price point for them, then Nintendo needs to take the lead in developing small-scale, flexibly-priced, retro-inspired games like those from their own IP and with their own development teams. Um, And I think we've got a lot to look forward to as we move into the next year. You know, E3, I'm sure they're going to announce Smash Bros. and... and, uh, you know, Retro's new IP. I think I still think we're going to get Mother 3 on the virtual console. Uh, Reggie actually recently dropped a hint about that. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. But so, so I think that the outlook moving forward is pretty good, especially for Nintendo fans. I think it's really good. But um, I, I, I would not expect the kind of phenomenon that... Certainly not the kind of phenomenon that we was, but I wouldn't even expect the kind of phenomenon that Switch could have been if if they had played their cards right um, in the early stages of assembling this launch lineup, this launch window, and their their rollout plan, essentially, for for this console. Yeah. It sounds like we all agree that what they're making is pretty good, but with the amount of engineering they had to put into Switch, the business models around it don't seem to really be working for what we're we're seeing. There's a lot of that that old Nintendo approach of we don't need third parties to take us that seriously. Um, our tech is really important to our software development. Um, and then that goes beyond just the fact that you can take the console with you when you go, but but into the stuff like HD Rumble, which drives up the cost. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of classic Nintendo moves that can potentially uh, lead to some really awesome stuff, but... If they don't, and I'm not convinced that they will, then those will just end up being mistakes. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I, we should end it, uh, this on a better note. Uh, Zelda looks what do you awesome. Think, who do you think Link is? Who do I think Link is? Link oh, is. <laughs> arms. What a weird question out of context. In the, <laughs> arms. <laughs> Does the Decker tree have arms? 
Why can't Metroid crawl? Well, in the in the trailer, uh, I think it was the Deku Tree, but it might have been the King of Hyrule was like, uh, it's you you know you're finally ready to to like to... discover what happened hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have no memory of who I am. Do you think that? For, I mean, I am convinced that this link is. The revival of a past hero. Yeah, I mean, he wakes up link. in the resurrection chamber. So right. Um, also, as so a I'm, kind I'm curious, of what who you guys hint, think that is? Where on the timeline does this? A fall? second hint is that I, if it's, you look at the uh, master edition of uh, Breath of the Wild, the statue I saw at one point at one retailer was called the Master Sword of Resurrection. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what does that tell you about what happened to the hero? <laughs> As for its uh, place in the timeline, a little hard to say just because we've seen obvious references to, let's see, off the top of my head, Skyward Sword, Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, Link yeah. to the Past. Like This game has obvious references to almost every game of the series. Link to the Past? So, what, what's a reference uh, to the Link to the Past? Just the way the Master Sword is positioned in its pedestal looks exactly oh, yeah, like it. It's right, even yeah. got flowers in the exact yeah. same spots around it. I mean, that's probably more of a thematic thing than a timeline connection, but yeah. it's clear that they're trying to link this to a... <laughs> link this to <laughs> To a lot of different games in the franchise. Um, (laughs) Yes. I personally want it to be just an amalgamation of everything, and then they never resolve where it is in the timeline. And I would like that too. Yeah, I mean, that's. I I wrote an article about that a little while ago. That would be my ideal scenario because I I feel like. My my theory, though, is that it's the hero from Ocarina of Time after he becomes the hero's shade, uh, (laughs) and then he's resurrected. And it's somewhere way after Twilight Princess, probably some sort of combination of the timelines somehow, um, as if that even matters, because they make the games they want to make, and then the timeline is yeah. is, is insular, insiliary. Yeah. But um, that that's my theory, is he's resurrected from the Ocarina of Time incarnation, and that's why he's like talking to the great Deku Tree and stuff. Like I, I kind of think that that... Deku tree is the sprout that was planted in Ocarina of Time, and then it grows up, and then he tells the you know the resurrected Link like, "Oh, you remember who I am?" Ha ha. Yeah, that Um, that scene had a very Wind Waker feel, where the 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 Deku tree recognizes Link, but the Link doesn't know the Deku tree. Um, Yeah. So maybe that that has something to do with where it's going to be placed if it's placed. Mm -hmm. All right. Well. Positive note achieved. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is the Endo Nintendo week today. Thank you for bearing with our uh, technical difficulties. Uh, and apologies if they really hampered the experience down. Uh, and we hope you enjoyed our arms and our specially long episode. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. We're really working hard to make this show great for you guys, so those iTunes reviews really mean a lot, and they also help a lot of listeners discover the show. So if you haven't done that, please do. It's greatly appreciated. If you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show, so it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com and at Colin McIsaac, C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A and at C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. Alex, where can they find uh, you? You can read me perpetually changing my mind about things on Switch on Twitter at <laughs> Legend of Lex. <laughs> And Ben? You can find me on Twitter at Aramgarth. That's E-R-I-M-G-A-R-D. 
If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. And you can join the Facebook group Nintendo Week Fun Club to chat with us and other listeners about all things Nintendo. On our way out, please enjoy Insane in the Rain Music's performance of Dolphin Shoals from Mario Kart 8. Thank you all so much for listening, and we hope you have another great arms. And you can join the Facebook group Nintendo Week Fun Club to chat with us and other. Did we just lose him right there? I'm just gonna assume he's. <laughs> we did. I'm just gonna assume he. Directly I'm just assume ended. He finishes. Sad. I was gonna. See how long it I was gonna him. throw in an arms at the end. Oh wow. <laughs> oh, we should make an arms Facebook group. Oh my god. Just dedicated specifically to our love for arms. Make an arms fan site.